Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. Welcome back to Training Room Talk. I'm John Herding with Rob Rubina, Ray Carr, and Nick Perugini. And today we're going to talk about training sensibly as you age. Um, so a topic that's come up, um, you know, kind of in our clinic and the strength conditioning facility quite frequently is, you know, I feel like I'm 21 years old, um, but I'm 45 and I'm trying to train like I'm 21 and I'm obviously feeling um, the effects of, of training that way. Um, so we'll kind of talk about um, what some of our thoughts are with regards to setting up a program and um, that kind of respects age, but your training goals um, as you move forward and uh, as some of our athletes continue to compete at high levels, um, again, as they, as they grow older. Um, so, Rob, starting off, what are some of your thoughts on, like, how, on intake and how you're assessing some of your older clients um, and writing programs based on maybe taking age into consideration? Yeah, I think this is a fantastic topic um, from a number of, of different standpoints. You know, age in relation to, you know, sport, like, hey, I'm 35 playing professional baseball, you know, 38, you know, or I'm, you know, up into my 50s and 60s and still trying to receive a fitness level. Um, so I can definitely speak to both sides of it. And one thing I always think is important um, that you guys might be hearing week to week is obviously let's hear the initial goals of the client. So if the goals of the client are, they want to be able to, you know, stay healthy, keep their blood pressure down, feel good, you know, doing their day-to-day -day activities uh, without any pain, um, then you know, those are very general goals. So the, your exercise program should, should meet those goals. Um, and I also believe that there aren't specific exercises that need to be done in order to receive a fitness level. So what I mean by that is, you know, not everyone has to squat, deadlift, bench press, you know, Olympic lift, you know, whatever it might be, like your favorite exercises, my favorite exercises um, aren't for everyone because um, not everyone needs to do them because their goals don't require to do them. So definitely think that's the first thing that I, that I look at when training in a, someone who's a little bit older is, is their goals. And, and then we have to come up with an exercise program to meet, to meet their goals. Um, and what exercises I, I am choosing are exercises that are, you know, a little bit easier to do. Don't require a ton of form and technique work because um, they're here just to receive a, a workout and a, and a fitness level. And you can provide that with a lot of different exercise variations. Um, speaking to more of the athletic population that are, maybe playing their sport a while have developed bony adaptations, you know, in the shoulder or in the knees or ankles, whatever's, you know, whatever, whatever sport they play, um, you know, they also don't require a very intense program. You know, for example, if you're working with someone who's, like I said earlier in their thirties, they've been in the big leagues for 10, 15 years. Um, that person's program, you know, they're, they're, they're more established. They just need to stay in the bigs and stay healthy. You know, their, their goals are a lot different than a minor leaguer who's 20 years old trying to make a team and each year get a promotion. Um, so, you know, their, their, their programs are going to be a lot different because of their age and because of the wear and tear that their sport has placed on them. 
So I, you know, I think those are some, some definite points that have to be addressed in the initial evaluation and then also through your training program. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, Rob, gets lost um, in a lot of these popular group exercise programs, right? Um, no matter what the group exercise program is, whether it's at a local YMCA or a CrossFit or Orange Theory, like I think um, the better programs, and, and all these places do it, depend, and sometimes it's instructor-based or whatever, but um, sometimes group exercise programs like to throw a general program at you know, a large group of 20 to 40 people um, and it just doesn't all, like those people just want to move. And sometimes they wonder why they don't see progress and they're not reaching their goals. Um, but some of the better programs in the group exercise setting are um, finding ways to individualize the program within the group exercise setting, whether it's progressions, regression of the same exercise, um, but working on a continuum rather than just trying to make sure um, everybody moves. Right. Um, so I think, Ray, that speaks to what we were talking about off air about, um, the abilities of the individual, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing, too, from a physical therapy standpoint is to remain unbiased. Uh, for me, I mean, whether my patient is, you know, a college athlete or, you know, someone training that, you know, still, you know, they're up in their, you know, 50s, 60s. I run them through the same, you know, functional movement screens and, you know, assess kind of where they're at. Uh, like Rob said, take into consideration strongly what their goals are and where they want to go um, and kind of, you know, proceed from there. So, Nick, do you have any thoughts on uh, from a physical therapy or a strength coach perspective? Yeah, you know, kind of bouncing off what you guys just talked about there. And, John, you, you kind of alluded this, too, in the in the group fitness setting. I think it's easy, you know, as, as someone who trains in a group uh, to sometimes, you know, not totally – trust that your your trainer your coach is looking out for you when they tell you to either do a scale or a modification um but i think that's one of the one of the most important things if you know and and that's depending on that takes into consideration age but also ability that the reason why you modify or scale a movement is one you know to keep you moving in a in a safe range of motion uh, and two, it allows you to, to reach a, uh, the intended stimulus of the workout. So depending on your goals and, you know, as we age, we maybe our goal is to, you know, have a healthy body weight or, you know, have a, a healthy you know, body composition or improved body composition. So, you know, being able to find the intended stimulus in a workout through modifications of, of movement is a crucial part in, in your longevity. longevity and consistency of your training program. Um, so I think that's one of the most important things when you're looking at uh, group-based, you know, fitness classes. And then, you know, going, and once again, going off what Rob was talking about, you know, number one is just having a deep understanding of, of what your goals are and why you're training. And I think as we age, constantly reevaluating that is, is important. Because then if we have a deep understanding of, of why we're training, we're going to make good decisions um, in our training programs. And being able to communicate that to our coaches and, you know, to our trainers or physical therapists uh, is really important in that, in that process. Well, and that's where I think maybe in their 20s, you could get away with like going out and partying on the weekends and then training hard on Mondays and you know, still seeing good results and still performing at a decently, you know, at a decent level. And I think maybe as you, as you age a little bit, 
the intensity may change, but the results don't necessarily have to, but you may need to pay more attention to recovery and nutrition and, and, and doing the right exercises where you're a little more resilient when you're younger that um, allows you to get away with a little bit more movement wise, nutrition wise. Um, you know, so that's where having a coach sometimes, you know, even though you might know how to write a great program, like having a coach that can um, view things from an eagle eye, from a bird's eye view to kind of have input on the recovery and the movement and the nutrition, um, you know, sometimes that's money well spent, right? I know it's money well spent, right? Yeah, I think um, going back on like the group setting, you know, I think also each individual has to take accountability to a certain extent. Um, and, you know, maybe it's someone like one of our patients where we give them a bunch of correctives and they have to show up 20 minutes early to do those um, as kind of their individualized, uh, you know, whether it's activation, whatever it may be. Um, because no one moves the same. So, and as you get older, some of those, you know, some of those flaws are, you know, they're, they show a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I think accountability on the, on the athlete, on the individual, uh, goes a long way as well. So. Yeah. You, you have to spend more time doing some of the things you maybe neglected when you're younger, right? Yeah. What are, uh, guys, what are some exercises that you, you know, that first come to mind that you're like, Oh, um, let's say you have someone come in the door, they're 50 years old. Maybe they've trained for, you know, maybe 15 years ago, you know, they haven't lifted a weight. They're in their fifties. Um, you know, they move somewhat decently. Um, you know, and they just want to stay fit and stay healthy. You know, what are, what are some exercises that you're going to probably avoid and what are some exercises that you're going to try to provide them from a, from an exercise standpoint or from a rehab standpoint? Yeah, Rob, I'll, I'll jump in on that one. Um, you know, something when I, when I have someone, you know, new come in, you know, to, regardless of age, you know, obviously taking a good training history, but I think one thing that I will probably be a little bit more aware of is kind of the implementation of, you know, plyometrics. Um, so, you know, whether we're jumping, landing, you know, always taking that into consideration. And if we are going to work on it and maybe it's warranted because it's part of your goal, you know, starting light. So, you know, nothing like, you know, box jumps or, you know, depth jumps or anything like that with someone who, uh, you know, isn't, isn't prepared for that. So that's just one thing I know that um, I'll definitely be on a lookout for with someone that's starting. Yeah. And, and my two cents, like for the, for populations as they age, like I want to make sure they have prerequisite mobility before we throw them into doing stuff. Right. So I'm like the two, maybe the three main spots are hip mobility, T-spine mobility and shoulder mobility. And I think by just assessing range of motion at those different joints, like hip, external rotation, internal rotation, thoracic extension rotation, and shoulder, internal rotation, external rotation, you can get a lot um, about, you can get a lot of information about joint position and if they have the prerequisite range of motion to deadlift and squat um, and shoulder press. So you can really guide a program just by taking those, you know, four, five, six measurements. Um, and that can really guide a program and go a long way in preventing injury as you craft a program for those people. Yeah. And again, I think this is where like systems like the SFMA and that sort of thing can come really in handy. Cause again, like, you know, not to cop out here, like take the easy road, but I mean, it can vary on an individual basis, you know, 
so much that, I mean, I think going back, trusting those screening tools, um, trusting, you know, uh, your prognosis and the goals that the patient has, um, hopefully leads you down the road to where, you know, you avoid certain things uh, and you attack others that, you know, help the patient get to where they want to be. Yeah, I mean, it's super important as you age to have a, um, a coach that takes you through a proper screening process or take yourself through a proper screening process so you know how to direct your training in more appropriate ways. Um, and then from there, making sure you're, you're focusing, like you said, Rob or Ray, on um, maybe you have to show up 10 minutes early to a class to do those individual things. And then you're dialing in your nutrition and your sleep a little bit better. Um, you're having one less drink on the weekend so that you can recover and prepare yourself for the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And off the, the drinking, I mean, nutrition, you know, as you get older, I mean, plays even more of a critical role, um, just as well as sleep does too. So, uh, and then, you know, I don't know, Rob, do you, you know, from a supplement standpoint, do you have any recommendations that, you know, uh, you offer to your clients at all? Yeah, I think from a supplement standpoint, um, I guess it depends on what they are looking for, I would say. Um, you know, so if if you're in a, in someone who's a little older, um, I would assume, you know, especially from a female perspective, you know, osteoporosis is something that um, we want to try to help, pre you know, prevent. And, you know, calcium would be something I would look at from that standpoint. Um but overall, I think it's just figuring out, you know, I think their, you know, injury history. So if they have medical history as well, you know, cholesterol, blood pressure, stuff like that. And, and, you know, try to educate them on the importance of exercise and its effects on, on those kind of conditions. Yeah. And I mean, some other supplements that sometimes I'll recommend, uh, you know, in terms of joint health and that sort of thing to, to uh, patients that are getting a little bit older, uh, Wobenzyme and uh, MSM, chondroitin, glucosamine, those type of things. Uh, you know, sometimes they can, you know, they can help you get through the night, get through the next day, uh, next training session, whatever it may be. So, yeah, and then just making sure your nutrition's dialed in with like making sure you're getting your fruits and vegetables, like your greens. Um, maybe going more toward an anti-inflammation diet, like berries, greens, um, nuts and seeds, um, you know, cutting back on the simple carbs, the simple sugars. Like if you can eliminate sugar in your diet, that can go a long way in kind of decreasing a lot of um, some of the inflammation and metabolic processes that, that might lead you uh, astray. I think, um, I think both Nick and John touched on some good points earlier um nick mentioned the the plyometrics now nick do you familiar there's i think there's some research that shows that you know, as you age you lose um the ability to pretty much produce power you lose the fibers right. right correct right so yeah so power is one of the main components that's affected you know with age your power output and i think there's evidence that shows it's associated with mortality right nick yeah i'm not sure if it's power i, I know you know leg leg strength is definitely you know, one, one of those pieces that I've seen in the research. So like, as you age, you lose power, you lose strength and you lose joint mobility. Correct. That's probably the other quality, right? John, well, that you lose as you age. And I do, I, th I think there's, there's research that shows you're more at risk for falls and there's like, just like grip strength and mortality. I think there's an association yeah. there too. Um, but also like you're thinking about when do most of these like Achilles 
tears happen. Like it's the dad in the driveway shooting the ball with his son and he yeah. feels like he got shot and he's right. 45 years old, you know, right. hasn't really done much. So you can go a long way in preventing some of those injuries. A big turnover from fast twitch, this, you know, more slow twitch muscle fibers as well. You know, I think that's where a lot of that power loss, um, you know, originates from. And, you know, really that makes it even more important. And I, and I mentioned that something that I'm aware of, but it's also something that, you know, you, you need to address and you need to address it with even your, you know, elderly geriatric patient in the outpatient or inpatient setting is, is power output. And so, you know, you know, med ball work, you know, even, even stair training, those are all great options for, and we're talking elderly patients here who, you know, have lost that ability to, to create force over time. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in some of those patients you're seeing in the inpatient setting, Nick, power for them is staying on one foot, pushing off to propel themselves forward, right? Um, and how many people, you know, in your recent acute care experience, you see that just kind of shuffle their feet and there's always two feet on the ground um, shuffling forward and that's how they, they're kind of able to walk with a walker or something. So um, you know, if you're looking at the continuum of power, like being able to take one foot and forcefully push off to propel yourself to the next step, um, could be part of that continuum. Yeah, things we take for granted. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, I think as a whole, like, just to kind of bring it back in here, I mean, as you get older, you can still train. I mean, and I think it's just have to keep in mind, like, your capacity for training, uh, knowing when to modify things in the gym uh, or in a training session is huge uh, in terms of injury prevention. Um, and then, you know, as we get older, unfortunately, our – the decisions in terms of nutrition, sleep, uh, and those sort of things, uh, they're more important. They become more important and they weigh a little bit, uh, heavier, um, than they do when you're younger. So, yeah, I mean, right with that, Ray, like we, LeBron James is a perfect example. We see these pro athletes that are performing at high levels and we, we see these newspaper articles about how much they're, as their career shifts, they spend on recovery. James Harrison's one of them, like, they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in recovery and maintenance and taking care of issues when they first film instead of waiting six months. And then you see their careers extended. Um, so I think it's just a little shift and performance doesn't necessarily have to uh, suffer if you're spending the time on the right things. Yeah. Yep. And I think, I think that's, that is a great point time, right? Sometimes these things, they do take time and you know, everybody's busy, you know, but sacrificing a little bit of time, you know, get these things done, make them a priority can go a long way and staying healthy and, you know, living a longer life. Yep. Um, so thanks again for listening, guys. Training Room Talk. Until next time. Thanks. Thanks.